All right, welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo and Joe Smith coming to you from downtown Minneapolis. Uh, really happy to be joined by uh, Wild General Manager Bill Guerin. Just came right from the dentist. You are a hockey general manager. You had a, a, uh, some new teeth put in, Novocaine, yet somehow you're not using that as an excuse to get out of this podcast. No, no. Thank God I've got um, feeling back. The, the doc was <laughs> gentle. and uh, Yeah, I was in desperate need of uh, two of my two of my bottom teeth being replaced, so. Uh, I only, I mean, I've only needed it for 10 years, so <laughs> Kara calls me a procrastinator, but I don't believe her. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, let's, let's get right to the first question because this is a great one from a reader wants to know, how do we get over the hump? This is from <laughs> yeah. Eric. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> I, 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 um, I, I think you put it out, but it, it did once you, once you mentioned what it, what hump, I mean, young Frankenstein's one of my favorite movies of all time and. One of the greatest, and just that scene with with uh, Gene Wilder and Marty Feldman, I I laughed my ass off with that. I didn't even realize when I said it. I'm I like, know what hump, what hump. The first what, thing that, the hump, that when you said it, I will say that's the first thing that popped in my head. Yeah, so I, I should. I if I mean, if I really said it in that way, it would have been. Uh, much less aggressive, I think. But it, w- it uh, would have actually been funny if uh, if we both sort of broke out laughing because we yeah, both know I, that's our one of our favorites. Uh, I, I used to actually with my brother. I used to actually just we used to like like growing up in New York. We would just recite the lines of that movie it's, constantly. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of one of one of the all time greats. I mean, honestly, it just. It's it's so good. All those all those movies are are fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's let's go back to the press conference. I mean, you know, I heard you obviously with Barrero uh, the next day and or a couple days later, and um, you know, the one thing that you did make it extremely clear there is that you didn't want that press conference to come off like you're not pissed off. I mean, obviously, you you yeah. want to take you want to see this team take steps, and that was one where you know you I'm sure did not expect it to end so quickly. Yeah, I, that that's the thing. I, I am, yeah, I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about the way the season ended. I, I don't pretend to be. It's, you know, I, I guess I was doing my best to um, point out some of the good things that our team did. Um, I, I get maybe I was just doing that more for me <laughs> rather than. Because we did do some really good things during the year. We, I mean, we've 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 done a lot uh, over the last couple of years and just building. And yeah, frustrating not to get to to the next round. But um, I don't, you know, and I still stand by it. I don't consider it a complete failure that that we didn't. It's just not. It's not the way I feel. And um, are there things that we have to improve on? Absolutely. Do certain guys um, have to be better as individuals? Without a doubt. And uh, do we have to be better in certain situations under pressure? Yes. Everything. Everything. Um, but I can't look back on the with the big picture, um, backwards and forwards, and say that that was a complete failure. But I will say this. Just to be clear, yes, I'm, I was pissed off. Yes, and I still am. I was one of the guys who disagreed at the time about maybe the word failure was just such a loaded word, I guess, sometimes. And I think the perspective, I guess, from a, if you're a Wild fan for 20 years, you probably see it differently maybe than somebody maybe who's been here for, maybe that part of the thing that you probably thought of, like, 
I thought of it as managing expectations for like you're talking to the fans, you're talking to like everybody else, like all the good things you did. But was it managing expectations? I think for the group, knowing your, your cap issues you have in a couple of years of what this team can reasonably do. That's why the bar is set at this particular level. No, I, I don't see. I, I, I guess maybe I've uh, done a uh, not as good a job as I, I can because I wasn't trying to bail us out. I wasn't trying to soften the blow. I still do have high expectations, but I, I just, it wasn't, I, I don't have, I, I've not lowered expectations because of any situation, cap hits included. They're not lower at all. Um, I guess I just wanted to point out some of the good things that our team did. And, um, but I'm, I'm still, yeah, I'm still frustrated with, I'm still frustrated with the early exit. I'm still frustrated and, and, and upset with the way it all went down. Yeah, I'm not. Because, because we have raised expectations, no matter what our situation is, they are high. And, you know, we, 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 did, not, we did not do our job. We did not succeed. I, I, I remember when Connor McDavid came out uh, as the uh, number one pick in that draft. I mean, he was hyped. I've never seen anything like this with Connor Bedard. Um, we're coming to you doing this podcast a night after he was, he was that, that Chicago won the lottery. And what I was struck by during your press conference is you made it very clear that when you met with Craig Leopold during your interviews here to become the GM, that you that you couldn't stomach a rebuild. He couldn't stomach a rebuild. That was the same sort of mandate with Chuck Fletcher, with, with uh, Paul Fenton before you as well. Um, in the 23 years by the wild, they, the Blackhawks were horrendous, tanked, got Kane and Taves, won three cups, and now they've begun their tank again and now get awarded with Connor Bedard. When you look at that, I mean, it, you know, from a wild perspective, fan perspective, I think sometimes they feel like they're spinning wheels, that you can't do both things at once, so you're mm -hmm. always going to be in this middle where you right, just right, cannot right. compete. Drafting, yeah. drafting you know, 16th or yeah. whatever, 16th and yeah. up, and just yeah. doesn't really get anywhere. So I guess I you get know, it. I guess, I, no, yeah. I get it. I, yeah. I really do. I, I get it. It's just, you know what? If you look at Connor McDavid and all the hype, he was, the, what, the fifth Number yeah. one overall selection. All new job. And you know what? And those guys are all good players. They're really good players. But yeah, even, you, you, yeah, just look at look at over the years how many one overall picks are actually, you know what? There are very few Connor McDavid's. There are very few Sidney Crosby's, Ovechkin's. I mean, it's just, you, you can miss on that too. I'm not saying Connor Bedard's going to miss. I mean, it doesn't look like he's going to. Um, and we'd love to have a player like that, but there's also no guarantee. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you look at you look at Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, they, they've had, they've had some high picks. They've had Stamkos and Hedman, but like where where they really got good was like drafting Kucherov, like drafting Point late, Sorelli. stuff like Sorelli, guys like that. Like, you know, I don't know. I always bring up Tampa. I just. I just think they, they did a great job building that team, and <clears throat> I, I, I think a lot of what they're doing. And you look at why Boston was so good is because Krejci and Bergeron came, came at cheap prices this year, and they could create depth. And, and you know, it's, you know it, yeah, it's, it's tough. But I, I do believe that there's more than 
one way to do it. I don't think, you know, because you could you could go through and and tank and and or, or try to get that first overall pick. There's a lottery. Mm-hmm. You're not guaranteed. You might end up at. We saw that. You might, yeah, you, you, you just, end up at ninth this year. Again, yep. Yeah, like that. I mean, that happens. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, we're going to do our best doing it this way. Yeah, I mean, Chloe, you saw the reaction of uh, JD and Yarmel uh, when they did not get one or two. They were, they were disappointed. Um, let me ask you, um, you know, the other thing that you were, I think, also trying to convey in that presser without saying it is that, is that look, there is still a window for this team where if you really wanted to, quote, go for it this year, um, you you would have probably been willing to give up first and second round picks and prospects for the you know you can't say it but the Ryan O'Reillys the Patrick Kane's the Tarasenko's the, the whoever yeah. where you you know where you just aren't at that point yet in your in your in your plan. Well, I, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm I know there are a lot of people frustrated that you know we we didn't get to the second round. Could we have gotten to the second round? I think so with this team, the team we had. Could we have gone like, yeah, we could have gotten, you know, uh, involved in bigger deals and, you know, with certain players, but then we're giving up. You're definitely giving up first round picks. You're definitely giving up second round picks and prospects. And if we did that, I think most of our fan base and a lot of you guys would say, here we go again. They're just giving up the farm with a, you know, um, that that when when they should be hanging on to their picks. So kind of damned if we do, damned if we don't. Yeah. Um and you know what? But that's that's my call. And I said we're not giving up first rounds and second round picks. I think we did a really good job at the deadline getting players that really helped us. I think I think they all came in and did a, a fantastic job. But hey look, I'm the guy that made the trade, so of course I'm saying that. But I I wasn't gonna do that. Could yeah we we probably could have got more involved but it's that it's not our time to do that yeah and to your point i mean you look at boston and tampa and now toronto being down 3-0 and and uh all these teams that gave up huge prices at the deadline and and, yeah uh yeah i was i was thinking that yesterday actually with vegas it's like they made that one little underrated move for barbershop yeah yeah. it's a great move yeah it's a great move and i and i think we're seeing too like you For me, anyways, focus on. I, I want to focus on the team that we have. We can, we can supplement at the deadline, but you know, like, like you said, I think Vegas made a, you know, the, the the one quiet move with Barbashev, and look how well they're doing now. Like, you don't always have to go all in. You, if you have a good team, you have a good team. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go out and get the shiny new toy every year. Yeah. You just I, don't. Like, I think that. Some would say that the Rangers might have messed up their chemistry by adding uh, their I, I, Yeah, no. I don't know. I think people mentioned Bedard a lot, too, because it's such an elite position, a number one center, which is so hard for every team to find. Um, like, I was running a lot in, in Tampa, you know, Stamkos drafted, point drafted. It's probably harder to get in a position to get those guys on free agency with the cap situation you have. Like, what's, what's I guess, the the grand plan or the idea of, of how to get one of those guys in the future. Does that have to be a trade type situation? And like, I like Joel Sarek, the next player too, like Ryan Hartman and Freddie Goudreau. They're very good players. I was wondering like, as far as that number one center that a lot of teams have that they win those, that eventually when your plan goes to fruition in a couple of years, that 
Is that the only way to get them? Basically, is be a trade or get, get that lucky with a with a draft or free agency? Yeah, I mean, those guys are expensive I, too. You know? yeah, 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 they're expensive. Yeah. But if you get the right guy, I think that's the key more than anything. Is you know, yes, I, I think you know, obviously trade, obviously draft. Um, I think free agency is a little more risky. I think it's because you you know you're you're going into an unknown. Um, you don't know if the guy the guy could be a great player, but he might not be the right fit. Um, but I, I think that's you really just have to do your due diligence and make sure that you know everything about a guy before you commit to him for you know for seven years and huge money and all that stuff. Because you know what, July one can be a day of mistakes too, and we just don't want to. You know, you don't you just don't want to go into it like. You know, with reckless abandon and no, just give this guy the money, that guy the money, we're we're set. You got to get the right guys, and that's that's really important. Can Marco Rossi be that guy? I mean, you know, can he still? Yeah, I, I you know, listen. Marco is still incredibly young. I mean, you know, he's only twenty one. He's, um, you know, he he's he's got a long way to go, and um, you know we're. Look, look at look at like uh, like Barrett Hayton in in Arizona. He like he, he kind of popped the second half of this year. It's been a five year process for him. That kid's a good player. Mm-hmm. That kid's a really good player. And you know what? If it takes, you know, if it takes Marco a couple of years to really get going, then it does. But um, you know, we we have to be real patient with him. We have to work with him. But there's 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 no reason why he couldn't be part of that solution. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with Bill Guerin. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to Straight from the Source. Michael Russo, Joe Smith, coming to you from downtown Minneapolis with Wild GM, Bill Guerin. Bill, it seems like you get the right guy in Brock Faber. It was really impressive in the playoffs, and I think only played eight NHL games so far. It feels like he's been part of your team for a while. Next year will be probably a bigger role, responsibilities. Like, what's your homework assignment for him for this summer of like, hey, going into next year, beyond this whirlwind of just catching his breath and doing this, of, of what he needs to be like and what he needs to improve to be ready for that, what we think would probably yeah. be a top four role with maybe Jonas Brodine? Yeah, I mean, honestly, first of all, I think you said catch his, catch his breath. I think that was very important that he takes a little bit of time right now to actually just catch his breath. I mean, he, he's, you know what? He went through a long year at the U, a real tough emotional loss at the end, and then, you know, it's kind of an emotional roller coaster. So take a little bit of time and kind of let it all sink in and then, and then get to work. You know, he's going he's gonna to be working out with a, a large group of guys that we have here um, and, and just get prepared. Like, there's, there's one thing preparing for a college season, but you know you're, you're you're with the big boys now, and it's going to take a lot more, um, you know, than than you've even been doing. And it's it's you know it's it's not it's not forty five or fifty games. It's eighty two and then playoffs. So you got to make sure that you're ready to go. And um, 
you know, I, but I, I was really impressed with him. I, I thought, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he came in and played great. I, I think, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, the, these young kids are so primed and ready for that at such a young age. You know, it's just different, you know, like, I, don't, I just remember coming to the league being like, oh, my God, there's this guy, there's that guy. Like, wow, I'm playing against Ray Bork, and he was my, one of my childhood heroes, and these kids don't care about that. They're ready. They're ready. Like, what's, what's next? What's more? Like, when can I get in? I should be in. All that. And, and they're, they're advanced. They're, and he's one of those kids. He's ready. And he's such a high-character kid, too. It's, it's, I'm really excited about him. Um, I wanted to ask you about Kalen Addison. I mean, you know, he's somebody I think a lot of fans are still confused of what happened. You know, obviously five on five, we all saw his plus minus, his metrics, um, you know, about midseason. And that's when you started to take the foot off the gas and pulling him from the lineup and things like that. But still power play wise, he added a ton. Um, Can you sort of bring us through that whole decision making of when it just got to the point where you just said, you know what, it's not working in practice. Uh, it's not translating to games, and we're going to have to take him out. Yeah, and, and Kayla knows this. We had, the, you know, Dean and I both had upfront conversations with him. His five-on-five play has to get better on both sides of the puck. You know, we, we need him to generate five-on-five, and we need him to be able to defend. And, you know, we, we've, we've worked at it, and he knows that he's got to be um, – more competitive in defensive situations and um yeah that so when he really was was struggling five on five you know it's time to come out and you know it it, yeah he was great on the power play but you can't you can't just play one side of it so you know it's a learning it's still a learning process for him too he's you know he's a young player he's got one part of the game down and that's the power play but there's a whole other, you know, there's a whole other, there's a whole other side to it. Is it for him? Is it more about the execution part, or is is he coachable enough? Does he, his attitude? Does he get it? Like, is that something where you 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 talk about young players? Like I've been told, defensemen take 200 games to feel comfortable in the NHL, right? Yeah. And it takes time for young guys to do that. But like, is he a guy who's like who gets it and who can? That's the part of the development you need to kind yeah, of. Yeah. Well, see we're it. gonna see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, he he's. He's been coached. It is much harder to come into this league as a defenseman. Um, apparently, winger's the easiest, I've been told. Um, but, yeah, he's going to have to realize that he's uh, competing for his job, for his spot in the lineup. And are you, are you willing to do the things you need to do to keep it? And that's... I mean that's for everybody, right? Like, you're not you're not guaranteed a, a spot. You're just not. And if you're not playing well, if you're not doing the things that our team needs you to do, there's a good chance you won't be in the lineup. So, yeah, he's he, you know, there's there's a point like with young players in general, we can, you know, the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. We can tell them, we can show them, we can bring them through the steps all these things, but then there becomes a point in time where they have to do it. And he's at that point, you know, he's, he, he's got to really kind of dig in here and, 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 and do the things that he knows he has to do. Um, 
special teams has obviously been a huge topic, and I know that you that you've really also part of your analysis of the season is watching video and looking at the power play and the penalty kill. Penalty kill and power play were largely fixed in the regular season. It's yeah. so much better than it was last season. Um, pen, pen, you know, obviously reverted in the penalty kill against the best special teams combo in the playoffs in Dallas. Um, when you look at the video of both power play and penalty kill beyond the fact that Erickson Eck was missing, um, what did you see when you, when you watch both? Well, Erickson Eck and Shaw were both yeah. missing, and that, that's a big hit on our penalty kill. They're two of our top four guys. And when you lose two guys like that, it, other guys that normally don't play those minutes elevate. And, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's not as, not as potent, right? And, and uh, you know, I've, I've watched all the PKs, you know, with Dean, and we've gone over it. And, you know, I, I think a lot of, you have to give Dallas a lot of credit. Yeah. I mean, they were excellent. They were excellent, and they executed like crazy. Um, you know, we we could have uh, we could have definitely been better in certain situations and keeping them to the outside a little bit more. But for the most part, we did too, and and we could have used a couple saves. I, and, I mean, and Gus admitted that, right? I yeah, mean, he said, yeah. He said you know, he gave up some bad goals on the PK. Yeah, and that's you know. Uh, you know, I'm doing my best. Not I, like I'm yeah. not throwing him under the bus. He said it, and we know it, and yeah. that's that's just kind of the way it is. So, you know, it, it's just frustrating because the power play and the penalty kill penalty kill was I think ten in the league, and for it to just drop so significantly, it was it was a real downer. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, you know, and then the power play, like the power play is a little different. You know, because you you. You have your routes on the, uh, you have your routes on the, the the breakouts and the entries. You get in, you get in the zone, and you have your setup. But you also have a little bit of freelance where you have to like kind of play hockey too and create and and use your hockey sense. And the bottom line of the power plays, we did not execute. You know what our our our, our thinking our our thinking and our puck movement was slow. Our, our passes were off the mark. We were missing the net all the time. It's just those are things that you you cannot have happen. You have to be able to execute offensively and defensively under pressure. There's not a lot of patience, it seems, in this league for head coaches. I mean, you saw the Jack Adams coach finalists from last year. All three are no longer with their current team, including Gerard Gallant, who just won conference final last year. Uh, and you, you said next to Dean the other day, and obviously you, you believe in him. And I was wondering, four straight years where he hasn't gone past the first round, like what do you see in him behind the scenes that you like, where he's a guy you're like, hey, this guy's safe, this guy's I want to go in next year with the same group. And and like, what do you what do you take away from that? Well, I like Dean, yeah. and I I think he's a good coach. I do believe in him, and you know, not every coach is going to have instant success, just like players don't either. You know. Coaches get better every year. They get more experience. Dean has not been a head coach in this year for that in this league for that long. He's still learning as well. Um, you know, and and I, I I do say this like we haven't. He hasn't gotten past the first round. But I again, I look back and I look at the good stuff that he's done, and he's coached a team 
with, you know, probably missing two big players because of those cap hits, which is understand. You know, and I this is not an excuse; it's just a fact. And he's coached that team to back to back hundred point seasons and got us to the playoffs. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, you know. And and the thing I love about Dean, he doesn't give a, a shit about this. He never mentions it. Simple approach, uh, just face to face with all the guys. Great communication. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I believe in him. I, but yeah, look, we're all we're all still learning. And for a guy that's been a coach in, in the league for four years, he's still got some growth. Um. Grit first was the big uh, yeah. slogan going into the playoffs. I mean, you know, I mean, do you think you, your players almost took it too literal? <laughs> you know, like it just it did feel like, you know, right from game one, it was a lot of griping with the refs. You know, everything was about huge hits. Um, like I watched Seattle play and they play gritty they, because they check and I'll they check and they check. Yep. Our players and coaches have nothing to do with that stuff. Yeah. Yep. They don't go and say, hey, this is our playoff slogan. Right. They have nothing to do with that. Right. That's just the way our team plays. I be- and I, I believe you need that. I believe mm-hmm. you need some grit. You know, but you need it in, in everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I just, when I was watching the Tampa-Toronto series and Stamkos and Matthews got into it and, they're the two best, two of the best players in the game. Like, and they're and they're showing their grit. You know, you don't think Kucherov has it? Like, holy smokes! Like, like all, all those guys. Like, you need it in your top guys. But, you need but do it. you think, regardless of the slogan, do you, do you no? Are you disappointed know. in the discipline th- throughout the series, regardless of whether the penalties not or the not? Not discipline. Yep. Um, The ability to overcome the adversity—that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's not yeah. the discipline. I don't. I don't. I didn't think those two hits on Marcus were penalties, um, or the the ones that he had were penalties. I, I just, but, but that happens. That ha- there there are a million. There are I don't know how many. Not a million, but it's going on on the other side too. Yeah. They're saying, "Oh, that shouldn't have been a penalty on." You know, so-and-so, that should have been a penalty on him. So it's going back and forth. It doesn't matter. What matters is how we dealt with it, and we didn't deal with it well enough. Mm-hmm. You bring up Tampa a lot. I bring it up a lot because that's what I know, what I've been around a lot. And what started their run, too, was their AHL team in 2011-12, won the Calder Cup with John Cooper, and a lot of those guys came up, were part of that kind of, very effective but rowdy team off yeah, the ice yep. and you have a big decision coming up in terms of your new AHL head coach just what kind of things mixes are you looking for in terms of that you have a really good prospect pool it's yep. a very important job like what kind of qualities are you looking for for that guy yeah it's I mean uh, honestly somebody that first of all somebody that's going to be able to work kind of seamlessly with Dean um, in you know in in messaging in you know terminology and style of play um, and being able to connect with the younger players, um, you know, obviously, look at development is is extremely important. Development through winning is even more important. I I've, I feel it's important. Do you have to win a championship every year in the American League to do that? No, 
but it sure did it sure did help those guys <coughs> excuse me i i think um somebody that like i said can really relate to these players and 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 push push the right buttons these we're going to have a ton of young kids there next year especially on defense and it's going to be real important that you know we're we're getting our message across to them and dealing with them in the way that is going to be most uh, most effective when you look at those defensemen um you know the the one guy down there that looked like he had a really quality year was damon hunt um would you say he's the most nhl ready like could we see him get games next year um we could definitely see him get games it mm-hmm. goes year to year though like mm-hmm. it's you know one of the new guys could come onto the scene and and boom he's he appears more ready mm-hmm. um so it, it goes year to year but it damon had a great year um he he's uh he's a, a, a highly talented kid plays the game really hard and uh yeah i mean but he's going to have to continue to go through the right development process. And, you know, the, the coaching staff, not just the head coach that we, that we put there, um, you know, that's going to be a big task for them is making sure that these guys are not only doing the things physically for their development, but mentally as well. And, and you know, keeping their confidence high so they can continue to, to play at a high level. On the on the subject of defense, like where do you see the blue line? Like we obviously know top four next year are most likely uh, Middleton, Spurgeon, Brodeen, Faber. Um, Dumb is leaving, and then your three other D that are under contract all were basically kind of cast aside in the playoffs. Um, so how do you handle that this offseason, knowing that you know maybe a couple of them aren't happy, a couple of them are uncertain about their futures? No. Do do you? Do you nobody's nobody's cast aside. Okay. Nobody's cast aside. I'll I'll make that very clear. Mm-hmm. Everybody that is in that dressing room is, is important. Nobody gets cast aside. You're just not playing. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Things change real quick, and and we need you. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 their job, and they know it. They understand. Do they have do they have to be happy about it that they're not playing? I hope they're not. Because if they're happy about it, then they're yeah. just hanging out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's really tough. And you know, I, I've talked to those guys, and that's a, you know, you look at Goligoski. I mean, him and I played together. We won a cup together. Like, like we're, yeah, we, we are friends. And you know, I have we have to make decisions, and that that's a crappy thing about this job is that you have to you have to make decisions like that, and you know, one of your players. Uh, you know, I mean, Merrill wasn't happy either. I'm sure Addy wasn't happy either. But, you know, we had guys that were playing good hockey. And, and you know, it, injuries happen. You know, other guys, maybe maybe their game slips and you're, you're back in. So you got to be ready. Not an easy thing to do. Not an easy position to be in. But that's what we expect. You, you mentioned at the press conference that you had a very brief exit meeting, I think, with Goligoski and planned to chat with him again. Like, yeah. Have yeah. you had that conversation? Like, Where, where do you no. see that going? Especially considering that maybe if he, he would like to move on, that extra $2 million might be beneficial for you this summer. I don't know. I have not had the conversation with him. Um, you know, uh, he, he's, he's not going anywhere. He's in town. Neither, neither am I. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. And, you know, I, I've got a ton of respect for him. And we're, we're going to sit down face-to-face and, and, and do it like that. And we'll, we'll, just, we'll just talk about it. I haven't 
I haven't made any decisions. I'm sure he's thinking long and hard about it, but we'll we'll see where it goes. You know, he he he's going to tell me. Mm-hmm. You always look for like turning points in a season, and I was on the the Denver and, and Vegas trip. Um, you guys look like world beaters beating Colorado, and the Avs players are telling me like we don't want to play these guys in the first round. Like they're you're the hottest team in the National Hockey League. You guys had a chance against Vegas two games in a row. Could have been up for the conference lead there. You know, obviously Vegas flew us and it's caught a lot of teams in this league. We had four nights in Vegas there. Like, do you feel like that was a turning point kind of for you guys on the stretch? I think you're like four, seven, and two after that. I know it's not one thing, but. No, it's a good question. And, and you know what? I, I look at it two ways. And I was mad at myself after that. I was. I was like, you know what? I should have made us fly home after Denver. I should have, you know, uh, just kind of tightened the screws a little bit. But I did feel like, I also felt like, you know what, this might be good for the guys to kind of uh, let their hair down a little bit. And, and you know, look, I was a player and I, I don't, I don't really feel like that stuff comes into play, but maybe it does. And, you know, I, I, I took I took a long, hard look at myself in the mirror for that one. And and I I, I felt like I uh I felt like I might have done the wrong thing there. But that being said, we're we're all professionals and we need to we need to realize where we're at too. And yeah, I, I agree with you. That the, if we could have won those two games or even one of them, we would have I mean, we were talking about contention for the for the conference. Yeah. Not, not the division, and that's one of those things too. It, it, and that that those were big games in the regular season that could have advanced us, and we didn't get it done. You, do you um like obviously like you just said? I mean, everybody deserves to unwind for a day or so. Um, yeah, you know, but it did felt felt like you guys took your eye off the ball, so to speak. Is that a conversation that you need to have with the captains and say, look, you know? It's up to you too to just say, "Hey, remi- as a reminder, guys, we have we are here to play hockey and 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 make sure that we have this grand plan of maybe winning the conference." And I mean, imagine if you win the conference and play Winnipeg in the first round, where you could be right now. Yeah. Uh, well, again, be careful picking your opponent. Right. No, listen. Uh, maybe I could have um, had a little sit down with them, but I trust them. I trust those guys, and and again, like I, I, I take more responsibility in that that end of it um, than like I'm not going to cast blame on anyone else. I, I just should they have been more ready or played better? Yeah, of course, of course. But it's one of those things where I look at myself in that situation more than I look at them. And what could I have done to help better help them? You know, um, yeah, that's those are two big losses. When you, you look at the last couple of days ago, you had that press conference and you were pretty confident with Gus in the contract. I know he's restricted and with our rights and everything like that. Are there some challenges that are involved in that, though, in terms of like the season he had? Like, like what if he gets Vezina finalist? Did that jack things up or like? Do you worry about offer sheets? Like, or do you think it's just this is going to happen when it you know, might not right, happen right away, but you're still, besides those challenges, if they are challenges. There's always you. challenges. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah, there's, 
Look at if it's not one of those things, it's the other. You know, so there's. I'm very confident we'll get something done. I feel like Gus is, um, very. I know he's very happy here. I know he wants to be in a Minnesota Wild jersey, and uh, you know, we're gonna get going on it very very soon, um, and we'll. I'm confident we'll get it done, but always challenges, you know, if it's not, if it's not money, it's term, you know, if it's not term, it's money. If, if, you know, then we'll see, you know, with the, you know, the, the Vesna voting and all that stuff. Well, he had a great year. GM shouldn't vote for the Vesna, by the way. And this What's is that? the reason it's, it's, it really, I mean, it's such a conflict of interest. It just, uh, it's just my that's for opinion. you to that's for you to say. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's <laughs> insane to me that other GMs get to now basically make your contract negotiation very tough. <laughs> that's um, a good point. But hey, uh, I've been making my calls. Yeah. How, how much does <laughs> how much when you're weighing term with him does Wallstack come into play? Because you know, I, I assume that you guys still feel he is the future, and so you have that complication. But then you also like like you start to wonder how important goaltending is like Shesterkin, Vasilevsky, Sorokin. It's really Omar, important. They're all out. Teams are in the second round here with guys like, you know, Aiden Hill and Brosois and Skinner. Yeah, but they're you playing know. great. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you like, know, you got to yeah. no, you know, uh, you know, Marty Brodeur didn't win every year. Patrick yeah. Waugh didn't win every year, but what the years they won, they caught lightning in a bottle and they were fantastic. You know, you have great goalies that have been through the, they didn't win every year, and I'd rather I'd rather have a really good goalie and and have him catch fire at the right time, and then then go in kind of with an unknown. And how how does and so you like Gus is the known quantity, and as you I think you insinuated there is that whilst that's still the unknown, um, how do you now weigh term with with Gus, knowing that you also don't probably want to sign with five or six years when you well, have this other guy. Listen, I, I don't want to negotiate kind of in a in a podcast and mm -hmm. give away all my secrets. All I can say is that he had a really good year. We we're thrilled with him, and we'll get something done. You, you won't have, obviously, a lot of cap space after Gus is done. Like, are guys like Duhame... You know, obviously Shaw. You mentioned try to get him done no matter what. Like Reeves, like a priority for you, or do you think there might be some changes there in terms of some? No, of your, I like Revo. Your, yeah. I, 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 I want Revo back. I, I think he, um, I think he really provided us with a lot, a lot of leadership. Um, you know, obviously he's a, a, a physical presence. Um, you know, he he showed that he could. He could chip in offensively from time to time, which was great. Um, I just like his presence. I do, and I think the guys love him and, you know, <clears throat> brings a lot of energy every single night. It's not easy to do. And I think it, 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 helps, the, it helps the other guys too. Like, uh, you know, Felino's a, a, a talkative leader and guys like that. It takes a lot off of his, his plate too if, if you remove Revo from the from the room, does it become too quiet? Does it, you know, and that that's 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 not a great thing to have kind of a a, a humdrum room like where there's no excitement and energy. And and do and you lose Dumba. Uh, do, so do him. 
uh, you know, he he's had a good year. Cy Young Award winner. <laughs> um, you know, uh, sneaky old. It's probably a complicated negotiation with him as well. Um, you know, with with somebody like him, do you look at him as saying, "Hey, look at what Ryan Hartman did. Look what Freddie Goudreau did." You know, would you be willing to again? I'm play not going. I'm not going to negotiate yeah. on on a podcast. I, I just he he did have a good year. I told him in his uh, told him in his exit meeting he he can't pass gas. Yeah. Um, with one assist, <laughs> but uh, no. Listen, he's a great kid. He uh, he works his tail off, competes. Um, he had a good year. It, yeah, it's they're all complicated in in some way, shape, or form. And yeah, he's uh, a little older than he, than you would think. But again, he, he's a good player for us, and we'll 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 try to figure something out. Yeah. Uh, Back to Reeves, here's a really good question from Samantha that I don't know if you'll love, but I mean, a lot of fans ask it like this, like at the press conference, you, and you've said this a couple times, that there's no room on your roster for a specialty player. Mm-hmm. And so Samantha wants to know how you define a specialty player because Reeves feels like a specialty player um, where, you know, Klingberg and Addison maybe weren't that, you know, like uh, uh, they were power play. Yeah, special. no, it's a, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, you know, the way I see it is that, you know, Revo can play anywhere from, you know, 8 to 15 minutes a night, um, 15 minutes being the high end. You know what? He's not a liability in the D zone. He, he knows his role. He, I felt like – I feel like he can chip in offensively. And, you know, with what he brings, he is the best in the league at it. And if you're the best at the league at something, that you're you're elite in that role, and he is elite in that role. And it's, I understand the question. I think it's a really fair point too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like I said, in that role, he is elite. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, make, makes sense. Uh, essentially, hope it makes sense to mm-hmm. Samantha. <laughs> Uh, I seems like the best case scenario with everything is you bring most of the same group back next year with, you know, bringing back Gus and Duhame, potentially Reeves, um, Shaw when he's back and healthy, Dean on the bench. What are reasonable expectations for this group going next year? Like, what's the bar if, if, if it's not, the team isn't changing, you're not going to make some significant, significant improvements. Yeah, it's the same. Mm-hmm. It's the same. You know what? I, I think there's a lot to be said for a group learning together too and going through, going through some some crappy times together. You know, um, it's it's. I think it's easy to. It's easy to be a good guy. It's easy to kind of. Uh, you know when I guess what am I trying to say here? It. it if these guys are going through the pain together, I think they'll come out of it together. It's easy to kind of just, if things are always just going well, it's easy to kind of just kind of float, float through. And, but they've, these guys have, these guys have been through some, some pretty bad times together, you know, and hopefully, hopefully they can, they can give each other the kick in the ass that they need too, not just coming from us. I, I know they're all disappointed. I'm, I'm 
I just think it's, you know, if we just start changing everybody right now, we're kind of starting from square one again, you know, not square one, but you got to break in a heck of a lot of new guys. How, how, um, you know, you mentioned disappointment. How disappointed were you with guys like Spurge and Brodeen, especially like they were on the ice for a lot of goals. I know that Spurgeon even, you know, made some comment uh, after a game. It just feels like I'm getting scored on every shift. I mean, uh, you know, how, how, um, you know, I know you said that you, you kind of save meeting with those guys until afterwards, especially because they're not going anywhere right now. But how much do they have to be better to elevate this team in the playoffs? A lot better. Yeah. Yeah, both of those guys. They have to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think they'll disagree with me. Um, faceoffs were a big uh, issue, and obviously you lost Eck. Um, uh, you know, Miko Koiv is around. Mike Madonna is moving here. Um, what will Madonna's role be, by the way? Like, you know, will he? I know he's going to spend a lot of time with you, but could he be in that position where he helps out the coaching staff and maybe every now and then gets with the, some of your young centers and things like that? Uh, yeah, Mike's not a coach, though. Mm-hmm. You know, and and he's going to spend a lot more time with me and the hockey op staff. And, you know, he's, he's still kind of, he's juggling a, uh, a very young family and, <laughs> and professional life right now. Um, but it'll be a lot easier to do uh, when he's back in the area, you know, Miko, same thing. Um, you know, he's got some things going on in his life that he needs to take care of first, but uh, it's nice to have those two guys around from time to time anyways. Um, and, and I, I think, you know, face-offs, yeah, you know, we, we, we looked at it. Dal- Dallas is just such a good, they're just such a good face-off team. Everybody, you know, I think everybody, uh, everybody was over 50%. Jamie Benn, 60%, something like that. They're, they're just a really good face-off team. And when we lose one of our best guys, um, it, it just, yeah, you know, it, it it puts other guys in tough positions too because you've got a righty like in Freddie Goudreau taking faceoffs on his weak side, where you know we'd be able to put Eck and Goudreau out, and no matter what, we'd have a guy being able to take faceoffs on their strong side. It just it it just throws a wrench into everything, and you know that was that was one of the effects of it. How's it evolved for you in terms of do you watch a lot of playoffs when you're out? Like, do you like, is it, I mean, some coaches like don't watch it at all or GMs watch it. They don't watch it or some watch it because they want to pick up stuff or they want or just love hockey overall. Like, do you, how's that changed for you? Or are you still like turn your eyes when the, when the playoff no, games come no, on? I watched, I watched my first uh, bit of hockey last night, uh, the Vegas Oilers game. Um, no, I haven't been able to stomach it, but uh, I went through this as a player too. And, and you know what, when, when, you know, we'd get knocked out, I wouldn't watch, and I was so pissed off and bitter, and I did that for years, and, and you know, finally I was just like, you know what, I, I've got to watch, like, I've got to, I've got to get back, get myself back on track with this, this whole playoff thing, and winning the Stanley Cup, and seeing, seeing the Cup awarded every year is really important to me because it really reminds me of why we why we do this and watching what the guys are going through you know all four rounds is is more more important than the games or the outcome of the games the 
the the scores or what 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 you have to actually go through to get there. And I'll start watching again. Uh, I needed a little bit of a break, um, but I'll start watching again because uh, I think it. I, yeah, I get I get I get mad. I get jealous. Um, like I. But I want that feeling again, and I think to to watch to watch the playoffs and see the cup awarded it it helps keep that it helps keep that fire. I'm not. I'm, you know what? I'm not hiding from it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to see every one of those guys lift the cup, and I that's where I want to be. That's what I want to do. Um, a couple more for you, Bill. Uh, you know, Liam Algren yesterday signs with Forrestad, uh, who's uh, developed guys like. Rodin, Eric Snack, Johansson. Um, you have Huznadinov, who by the time next summer comes around is going to have like 180 KHL games under his belt. Um, you have Yurov. Um, we're like I know at the presser you said you'd love to speed up the uh, the process, which is impossible to do. But how much are you looking forward to? Hopefully next summer, getting all three of these kids over here and beginning that sort of integration of North American pro hockey and maybe even a guy like who's being ready to even play in the big show after that much experience. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, listen, I'm really excited and you know, and it's no disrespect to anybody on our team currently. It's just, I'm excited about these prospects. I mean, we've drafted them. You got to wait a couple of years and it's good to get good new guys in the mix and it keeps things exciting and, and they're good players. We, we want these good young players coming over and, and uh, and 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 pushing for spots. It's you know who's enough. I, I don't think he's 21 yet, and and he's played 150 or 130 games in the KHL already, and and he he he's going to be ready soon. And you know, you're uh, on a one year deal, and and uh, Ogren is too, and and like yeah, we 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 can't wait till they get over here and just kind of get going. How about uh, first off? Is he is that ship sailed? It's actually or? funny. I was talking to his agent today yeah, a little I, bit. We're going to talk. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah. It has not sailed. Okay. And and you know what? We never close the door. Everybody needs something a little bit different. The timing might not have been right, and you know, there's a lot of different things that go into it. But we never close the door on a young player. Never, never. You mentioned prospects too. Like, is next camp like? Do you fully expect guys like Rosi? Beckman, Walker, like to compete for like a legit spot on your roster. Like I know you have some, maybe have some changes up front, but like, would you be disappointed if they didn't? I guess try to make your your case difficult for you. Yeah, I want them to come in and compete. Like I've said it before, we are in the business of taking someone's job. Unfortunately, Glenn Sather used to always say, "I'll give you Wayne Gretzky's job if you could take it," but nobody could take it. (laughs) I mean, it's that's the way it is. Come in and you know you you can push somebody out or move up the lineup or whatever it is that that's what we want do you, do you expect boldy to be a very different player i mean obviously he had a great great second half uh last couple months of the season um but you know first first half really had trouble finding his footing probably line mates things like that and then really in the playoffs i know that that he just did not look like he took that next step in the playoffs yeah it's i think what happened I mean, my my theory on it is like Matt comes in last year and has success in half the season, mm-hmm. 
you come in and you think, well, maybe I'm just going to pick up right where I left off. That's not the case. You're not a secret anymore. Guys know you're dangerous. They're going to, just because you're young doesn't mean anything, they're going to give you their best. Um, so that I think that's why Matt had a slower start. Um, but, man, he was good this year. He was really good and, and really carried us for a little while. And I think... Uh, you can tell he, he is he is extremely disappointed in his playoffs. But again, he's 22 years old now, and he's got two years of playoff experience under his belt. It's it's going to help him if if he uses it the right way, it will help him. And I mean, I look, I think everybody here is a big believer in Matt Boldy, and he'll be okay. Last one for me, like, how does your experience as a player? How's it impacted how you do exit meetings with guys and how you evaluate players? You've been through it before. You played banged up in the playoffs. You've done this. Like, how does your experience being on the other side of it in exit meetings and on the evaluation over a summer, you know, what does that yeah, tell you about, yeah, about yeah. You, it, it, how you do your job now? Well, I always think back, like, when I'm going to address the team or going to talk to a player, um, was that ever said to me or was that ever done to me? Um, and I, re I really do think about that and like the, for my treatment of the players and I've, I, I, yeah, look, I had some, I had some tough meetings with some GMs, not necessarily at the end of the year. I was just going to ask you that. Like what were but some like, of your, uh, Oh, slats, slats was good. Slats was, you know, he was always straight to the point, but <laughs> with um, a cigar in his mouth. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Chomping on a cigar, but you know, he would do, he would he would do kind of two things. He would give it to you straight between the eyes and then he'd build you up. He'd give you the confidence. And and same thing with Lou. Lou would be really tough on you, but then but then he would never turn his back on you. He always believed in you. Yeah. And to me, the end of the year exit meetings are not necessarily a time to to like beat the guys down. It's more for me, anyways, you know, the, I think the coaches can go over some X's and O's with them, or, or some 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 of their plays in the playoffs. For me, uh, you have to acknowledge what guys play through too. When we had a lot of guys that were injured, and they don't want to they don't want to hear how bad they were or what they could have done different, or there's that from me. Um, I guess a big a big part of it though for me is listening. You know, you what? What do you what do you think went wrong? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And then I listen, and I think it gives the guys a chance to just kind of speak freely and and you know know uh, you know I, I don't hold grudges and and it's just a, a more informational for me and something that that I can use to you know that we can use to help these guys uh, in the upcoming season. Um, you got the draft coming up here right now. You're picking 22nd, depending on what happens with Florida and Seattle, uh, both up in their series. Um, I know it's always best player, best player, best player, but, but when you look at the organization and you have so many defensemen and you have a goalie of the future, it just feels like forwards and high end forwards and centers are where it's at. It, will that be an edict for Judd Brackett or, or how, how do you look at this year's draft? I think we have to wait and see. Um, 
when we get closer, who, who we think is going to fall in that range. It's, it's amazing to me how they can pinpoint it, but they do. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, look, we, we have a, a boatload of young defensemen and, and we have a, a, you know, a future star goalie, hopefully. So yeah, it makes, it makes all the sense in the world that we would take a forward, but you also have to, you have to see who's there and, you know, it really, it really should be the best player available no matter what. Um, but, uh, you know, in this draft being so deep, there could probably be, you know, two, three, four guys that, that you know, you could interchange by that time. How um, I got a ton of questions from readers asking about moving up in the draft. I mean, this is a top-heavy draft. Um, you have analytics guys like Matt, Matt Sells, a very smart Chris O'Hearn that help you there. Judd usually... I'm sure has like a wish list of ten guys he'd love in the first round. What what are the more this year? Yeah, what are the realities of moving up? Like, do you have a handy little calculation of what it would take to move to different points of the draft, or is that all? And is that stuff that you set that table before the draft, or does that usually happen on the draft floor? I think it usually happens. Well, it usually happens on the draft floor, and, and you kind of see what kind of what develops and and where we think we could get to and you know the, the question is always at what cost so you know me I'm always open for business I'm always ready to try to do something and um yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't say no yeah definitely a couple last ones for you uh Bill uh you're going into the next season with Zuccarello Hartman and Felino in the last years of their deals. Would you like to talk to them this offseason or do you see this playing out and just see how they play next year and then you sort of make a decision in, in advance of the trade deadline? That's a, good, that's a really good question. Um, I haven't gotten that far yet. I'd probably say I'd probably say, you know, we'll, we'll just, let's just get it in, 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 into next season, but you know, I, to be quite honest with you, Mike, I, honestly, I, I don't know right now enough to give you a like a definitive answer on what we're going to do. Um, I think there's there's pros and cons to to both. I, I think all three of those players, obviously, they've been very effective for us over the last couple of years. Um, but it, you know, what do we want to do? What do they want to do? There's a lot that goes into it. So um, I know all three of them like it here, and we like having them. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of, of working it out and when, when do we do that? Uh, Chris uh, wants to know if, if, he, if you could uh, have one former teammate from the Devils be on the Wilds roster, who would Ooh. it be? It's a good one. Wow. I know Lassie's pointing at me because he wants me to say Kenny Danico. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of uh, what you need, actually. It, it really is. Yeah. You know what? I remember, honestly, I remember my first playoff series. I was 21 years old, playing against the Rangers. I had, kind of like Brock Faber, I had five regular season games under my belt, played six games in the playoffs. We lost to the Rangers. Kenny, Kenny had a, a, like a, maybe a grade one or two separated shoulder, and he had the insides of his, his glove fingers were sewn together because he had like one or two broken fingers in there and he had to have them taped together and he was playing with it. And he's the toughest guy, 
that I ever played with. And and when we when we got beat, he was crying like a like a. And I just, yeah, he was a. We could absolutely use a Kenny Danico. Um, we could use a Scotty Stevens. I, I would. Do we do I do I go Marty Brodeur or do I go Scott Niedermeyer? Um, I'd probably say Scott Niedermeyer. I, I love Needs. He was. I mean, he to me he was the smoothest defenseman that I've ever seen. He didn't even sweat. Yeah, it was play half crazy. the game. He wouldn't even sweat. Yeah. He just, he just he he knew how to rise to the occasion and and it was no big deal. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I remember that 2000 playoffs that they won the Stanley Cup. Um, Kenny Danico had un- unbelievable first round against the Panthers. A quick first round, four games. Uh, Pavelbury wanted nothing to do with them yeah. at all. He, yeah. Ten minutes into game one, you got to fact check me, people, that uh, Burray was minus three. Yeah. Uh, Kenny was scary. Yeah. Kenny was scary. He was, he was mean. Um, he was more skilled than you thought. It was funny. I remember we had a meeting. Jacques, Jacques Lemaire had a meeting with the team, and he was kind of going through our roles and like what we bring to the, to the table. And, you know, Kenny always had a b- bit of a beard. And Jacques in his accent, he goes, when they see the men with the beard, I want them to skate to the other side of the rink. <laughs> and, he, and he did. He put the yeah. fear of God in some yeah. guys. He was That 2000 uh, World Championships was in, uh, so the, the Panthers had 98 points pre, pre-loser point error. And uh, the World Championships were in St. Petersburg, Russia. And let's put it this way, uh, Victor Kozlov and Pavel Bure had their foot on the plane within uh, one minute of game one. Yeah, it well, it's, it was amazing. I mean, to, yeah, I mean, in any given time, and we had guys that like, you know, Bruce Driver was a, Bruce Driver was a really good player, Tommy Alblin, really good player, but like, you can you can throw out Scott Stevens, then Scott Niedermeyer, then Ken Danico, then Bruce Driver, then like, I mean, you know, we had Sean Chambers who was you know. Totally underrated yeah. guy. He's won. He won Alaska two cups. Alaska Fairbanks, in. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. I mean, he, we we had some great defensemen on that team. Yeah. That ninety five was was is that when you went on Letterman? Or yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> still yeah. one of the great clips. If you want to see a good clip, go on Letterman and watch yeah. the top ten list uh, that Bill Guerin. Uh, uh, do you remember your line? It's kind of risque, if I remember right. No, that was for the Olympics. Oh, that was the Olympics yeah, one. Yeah, okay. what does NHL stand okay, but for? But you brought the cup to Letterman. We brought the okay. cup to Letterman, yeah. Okay, but yeah, what was the uh, What Olympics does one? NHL stand for? Nonstop happening lady. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was it was hysterical. Yeah. Uh, last question. Jason Heger wants to know, besides Young Frankenstein, what other quotable movies should you reference when asking questions during a press conference? What's your favorite movies? Oh, my God. Oh. Maybe my all-time one of my all-time favorite movies is Trading Places. Oh yeah, I mean it's just it's just awesome. Obviously, Godfather, Godfather Two, um, I, yeah, Trading Places. I, any Mel Brooks movie, any Mel Brooks, any movie. Mel Brooks yep. movie is just. Um, I'm gonna we're gonna stop this and I'm gonna think about ten right away. Yeah. But I'm, well, I'm remember, a big yeah. movie guy and like. You, I don't know how much of a personality I'd have without movies because, you know, my wife will say something and I'll be like, oh, that was a great movie. And she didn't even know she said it. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, yeah, I, I, I love, I love yeah. movies. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, um, I appreciate it. Yeah, a lot of people were like, oh, you're really going to sit down with Bill Guerin? Aren't you guys at odds? And I'm like, that, that stuff, that was like it's, such a, a little thing. Like, it was it was such a nothing. And it, it uh, just it's, exploded it's, into... But it's, it's funny. It's funny because I, I think... It, you know, in, in fairness to people, that's what they see. Yeah, they don't they don't see the relationship that that we all have together, and we're around each other a lot. And it's important to have a good relationship because when you do hit little bumps in the road or whatever, you can you 100%. can get by and you yeah. can talk about it. And it's not it. I mean, I got over my grudge yesterday. <laughs> it's fine. So it took a week to get over the grudge. Then, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, Joe, really appreciate you joining in on uh, the Straight From Source. Bill, as always, this is like your 20th time. Um, yeah, I like doing it. I brought it's my fun. muscle as usual. Absolutely. Lasty here. Uh, Lasty had to have some – elite. Lasty doesn't want to ask questions. He wants to just make comments. So uh, I think – He doesn't uh, He doesn't ask questions because he's got all the answers. That's true. Uh, hey, uh, Billy, I appreciate it. And uh, here's a word from one of our sponsors. Well, thanks to Bill Guerin for joining this week's edition of Straight from the Source. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed this episode. Uh, We're going to be taking a couple weeks off on Straight from the Source, but we have podcasts throughout our athletic platform, and one is the Athletic Hockey Show. I'm on the one every Wednesday with Rob Pizzo and Jesse Granger. We have a great one planned this week, and uh, trust me, we'll be talking about Connor Bedard to Chicago a lot on that show, plus breaking down the second round of the playoffs. Uh, The top-rated U.S.-born draft-eligible prospect Will Smith joins Sean Gentile and Max Boltman on this week's edition of the Athletic Hockey Show as well. Get a new subscription to The Athletic for just $2 a month for 12 months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the stores. Again, that's $2 a month for 12 months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Uh, as I mentioned, straight from the source will be on hiatus for a little bit, but we'll return ahead of the draft in Nashville and after the first weekend of NHL free agency. But again, thanks to Billy Guerin for joining this week's edition. Talk to you next time, everybody. Everybody.